You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. I am Mo Mootsy alongside as always the one and only, very kindly taken a break from his barbecue, Mr. BJ mm. Armstrong. Or today, Chef BJ. Yeah, cooking, cooking. You know what? Bro? Real grill. It's, it's barbecue. No yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real talk. That's real talk there. Well, let me ask you this. Barbecuing is is not a big thing in, in the UK. Is it, is it a big so, thing so there or no? As soon as the sun comes out, everyone's doing the barbecue. But oh, everyone, the amount okay. of the amount of times the sun comes out and it's nice enough outside to do a barbecue is very rare. What's your barbecue over there? What, what, what is it you barbecue? Oh man, it's not. It's, it's nothing like how you guys barbecue. Here, people do a barbecue. You put some burgers on the grill. You put some chicken skewers on the grill. You put some chicken. Uh, like, people do prawns. Uh, yeah. It's not real. Uh, like, uh, it's not real. Uh, like, oh, you know what, bro? That's it. Bro, that's it. That's it. Hey, you got mm. the podcast. I will put some ribs on. You know what I mean, Mo? You know, we're going to do it. We're gonna, I've never made ribs before. I've never made ribs oh, ever in my life. You know what, Mo? When next time you come to the States, oh, we're going to do some steaks. We're going to do some fish. Now we're we going to do chicken. Now we're we going to do it all, Mo. It's nothing like being outside cooking. I'm just cooking. Like, today I'm doing about an eight-hour cook. Jeez. And I just love to get out there and just... And you just... You just take your time. You know what I mean? It's like no hurry. You take your time. You know what I mean? And and by the way, Mo, you know, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, right? But I've been to BJ's house. And if I could do a barbecue anywhere in the world, I think I might pick BJ's garden. Because <laughs> when I say picturesque, it's beautiful. Where, where BJ lives is beautiful. I oh, mean, well, he used to kind of tell me about his area. And I'm like, BJ, there's so much traffic. This is so I got to spend an hour in the car. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, I see how you live in. That's very kind of you. I respect you know, it, but uh, uh, are you ready for the segue? Yeah, yeah I, I'm ready for the segue because we're cooking. Let's do it. Speaking of cooking, the Wizards front office got cooked again. Another trade where they receive very not much. Another one. In return. Okay, look, That's okay. right, BJ. The Celtics, the Clippers, and the Washington Wizards are in okay. serious talks about to close out a deal in which okay. Chris Stapps Porzingis would head to Boston, Malcolm okay. Brogdon would head to the Clippers, Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th overall pick would head to the Washington Wizards. So there's three perspectives to look at it. We'll start with Washington, kind of as it's as it's the obvious one to start with, um, in terms of their rebuild, as we want to call it, aka a tank. Um, but you know, you're looking at the Washington Wizards now, and it's like, okay, cool. You traded Rui Hachimura and Kendrick Nunn for three second round picks. You traded Bradley Beal and pieces for Chris Paul, who you're getting rid of anyway, and Landry Shammer and some second round picks and some pick swaps. And if the Phoenix Suns, unless there's a major disaster, those pick swaps aren't going to be very fruitful at all. And then you trade Porzingis for Marcus Morrison, the 30th pick. So not a great haul, especially when we've seen, for example, the return Paul George received, when we've seen what Rudy Gobert received. It's not very fruitful for the rebuild of the Wizards, but I understand they're clearing salary off the books. That late draft picks, now you can find some hidden gems, you can find a Desmond Bain, you can find a Tyrese Maxi or whoever you want to find late in the draft. But it's less than ideal. Um, I think teams are trying to keep hold of those future firsts now because of the new salary cap. But what's your take on it from a Washington perspective? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I again, I want to share this. This is just our 
for our listeners. Yes. Okay. Our listeners have to know why they they are doing this. Okay. Michael Winger is is a very, very highly regarded executive here in the NBA. He's the new executive now, president of basketball there in Washington. Not this year, but the following year, Mo, we, the NBA is going to have a new collective bargain agreement that will begin to take place. So mm-hmm. all, all, all of the executives and ownership now are beginning to shape their economic situation, their books, to prepare to take advantage of the new rules and the second apron. The second apron will have consequences that will really be detrimental to building a team. Okay, so what Winger is doing is he's clearing all prior cap, you know, commitments holes. Yeah, that they currently have. So he's gotten rid of Bradley Beal. Okay, he said, well, he didn't get nothing back in return. He doesn't. He doesn't want anything back in return. They want to start fresh, of course, but so that a few more picks might help. So that and. Well, you you have to pay those picks. Okay. Okay. They they don't want it. They, they don't want them back. Okay. Then you you then Porzingis. They don't want the responsibility of having to pay Porzingis because Porzingis, I'm sure, has already advised that he wants a new deal. Yeah, this is the final year. It's a player option. So for this trade to go through, he has to opt in. And potentially agree to a two-year extension with the Celtics for seventy-seven million, but he's not going to stay in Washington. Yeah, so that if this does happen, that probably means Grant Hill and those guys, Brockton and those Grant Hill. Man, I wish we were getting Grant Hill. Not Grant Hill. I mean, Grant 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 Williams Williams. is gone. Payton Pritchard will be moved. Yes, and all these guys. So all those guys are gone. Okay, because they are in the time slot of now, and Washington is like we just want to clear our books now what washington will do next after probably they'll get rid of kyle kuzma probably yep. he'll be next he's then they'll start acquiring the draft picks they'll get the salary dumps they'll be doing other things a la what okc has done yeah and that's what they're trying to do so they're positioning themselves which right now will not translate to winning and competitive basketball in washington however what they are selling is hope I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's what they're doing. But they're yeah. not alone in doing it. They're just the first one to make it so obvious of what they're doing. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. But what they're going to say is their books, their, their, their sheets, and all of their things now will be added up so that they can take advantage of the new situation here. Okay? Yeah. And that's what they're doing right now. Okay, so then from a Clippers perspective, they've acquired Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, uh, backup point guard who could even be in a starting lineup as a guard. Um, how does this affect Chris Paul? Because the wide assumption was Chris Paul would be traded to the Clippers. That's what we heard earlier in the morning. Now, is there a way for them to include Chris Paul in the deal? And even if you do include Chris Paul in the deal, there's only one basketball, Chris Paul, Malcolm Brogdon, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Obviously, the latter two of those don't play a lot. Um but how do you see this affecting Chris Paul? Do you think the Clippers still go after him now that they've got Brogdon? I don't think so. I, I don't think Chris Paul was a, I don't think Chris Paul was their first priority. I think that was the media's priority. Okay. And the reason I say that is because Russell Westbrook was terrific for them a year ago. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. 
Okay. Just in case we haven't noticed, injuries, that's a major concern there for the Clippers. Did you Paul see George. Jerry West on Paul George's podcast? I love Jerry West. I, I saw some of it. I saw he, some he, of it. He, doesn't care. he went on Paul George's podcast, looked Paul George in the eye, and said, for two players of the caliber of you and Kawhi Leonard to not even be healthy for a whole season, it's unthinkable. On yes. Paul George's show. Well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> he came in I, and said, I, I mean, listen, <laughs> well, as they say, what? No lies detected, right? There, well, that's facts. There, Jerry West don't care. That's just facts. You don't care about your feelings. It, it's not, it's not, I don't, that's not even a diss. That's not going at them. It's a fact. Look, and here's the thing there, I believe them when they say they're hurt. It's not like they're not yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're actually injured. I mean, what's the chances? That you'll say, I don't know, what is this, three years now or something they've been out here? Yep. They haven't been healthy the entire time. Mm-hmm. And when they do come back, it's one is healthy, the other is hurt, and then vice versa. So here's the thing. If you have Chris Paul, who's a terrific talent, but think about the injuries. You have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, and then you're going to add Chris Paul. Now, on paper, it looks good, sounds good, feels good. Truth of it is, they need healthy bodies who can play. Say what you want to about Russell Westbrook. Say what you want. He's yes. been incredibly. You ain't stopping him from getting on the court. Yeah, exactly. So I think now it's about availability. Mm-hmm. I think it's a. And if I were Chris Paul, if I were Chris Paul at this age of, of career, Chris Paul is a really good player, even at this age. Yeah. You know, looking at Kyle Lowry this year, I thought that was a beautiful role for an aging point guard. Well, th- this I, is I really like that role. This is where I struggle with this because Brogdon played 67 games this year. He played mm. 36 games the year before, 56 before that, 54 before that, 64 before that, 48 before that, and then his rookie season he played 75 with 28 of them being in starting role. He's not the healthiest of players. Even in the playoffs this year, you saw he was injured throughout the entire playoff run. I, I think he's coming off the bench, though. I, I think he's. I think he is coming off the bench. Now, here's the thing. I think him and Russell, I think that's a good combination. I, I think as well, you've given up what? Morris, who Clippers fans hated, and he said he was un- unhappy about his role. You've given up Amir Coffey, who as much potential as he has is not going to contribute to a championship at this stage. And you've given up the 30th pick in the draft for the reigning sixth man of the year. I think that's a good deal for the Clippers. That's a good deal. And he can play in his role. Like, I'm not looking for him to be a starter. I'm not looking for Chris Paul to be a starter. Chris Paul is a starter talent, but he's not available to be a starter at this stage of his career. That's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, father time wins 100% of the time. So I think Brockton is great. Russell, where he's where he's playing, I think is great. If I were them, I would bring Russell back. And then you still have the kid Bones Highland, I think, there, right? The, the kid Bones yep. is still there. Yep, yep. So, forgot about him. Okay. And then I, I think they're fine. I think they're fine at the guard position. That seems like the, the perfect fit for me. You bring Brockton off. You Brockton and Russell can play together. Paul George and these guys will play whatever they can play. And then you can get through the season based on their history. That seems pretty solid to me. You know, they have a terrific coach and then you go from there. So I'm okay with uh, what what they did and and how they were and how they've 
picked up a really nice player for really a player that had fallen out of the rotation for them. Now, for the Boston Celtics, initially, I was very much against this trade because the initial things I was hearing yesterday or this morning was that Al Horford and Rob Williams would be in the deal, which made no sense to me to get rid of your two bigs and bring back one who's often injured. But the fact that now the Celtics are just giving up Malcolm Brogdon and maybe some salary fella, maybe Danilo Gallinari or Peyton Pritchard or Mike Muscala, who weren't really in the rotation last year anyway, I think it's a good deal for the Celtics. Um, when you look at what Brad Stevens I... has done in terms of since he became the GM there, he swapped Kemba Walker for Al Horford, traded Romeo Langford and a pick for Derek White. Let's be honest. You know, Popovich may have gifted his boy Ime Doka Derek White. There may have been a little bit of, Ime, you've just become a head coach. Here you go. Here's Derek White. We're rebuilding anyway. But then he traded Daniel Tyson, basically nothing for Malcolm Brogdon. And then after a season of the sixth man of the year, Brogdon flipped him for Chris Aspelzegas. Why are you hesitant to say that you like this deal for the Celtics? Well, up front, up front, this is where I think they are. It's been tough for them because of the following. All right, the Time Lord, I don't know if he's going to get healthy. I mean, I mean, but we're going on two years in a row now where he literally is playing on one leg. He's been injured every season pretty much. Okay. When he's healthy, he is a all-NBA level defender. Yes, thank you. Al Horford is aging right in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't keep expecting 37-year-old Al okay. Horford to keep doing Horford. what he does. Okay. That's yeah, unrealistic. I, mean, I love I love Al. I love what he brings and all of the things. Leadership, so forth and so on. However, Father Time, again, mm-hmm. is is catching up now. So you're not only losing Al Horford because you can't expect Al to play 82 games, right? You're going to have to manage him to get him through the regular season and then hope that he can take care of himself and he gives you what he has in the playoffs, right? He gives you a game or two and he's a critical, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So Al is going to do that. However, you're going to need help to get you there so that you can take advantage of Al's because we're not questioning whether – what he's going to do once he's there. It's just, how do you get him there? Okay. You need, you need toughness to get there. Porzingis is a very skilled player. Porzingis is, he knows how to play. I think he will compliment. I think he will provide spacing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like his talent. You need talent, but you need the toughness. And I'm not saying he's a soft player. I'm just saying you're going to need someone who can anchor your defense a la Al Horford, a la the Time Lord. And now if you don't bring back another tough player, Grant Williams, who he may not be a rim protector, but he brings a certain level of toughness to the game. We've seen him guard Giannis. We've seen him guard Jokic. We've seen him guard I'm not sure Porzingis has yet at his size – to be an elite rim protector. Porzingis hasn't shown me to he's gonna, he can, he can really dictate or impact the game on the defensive end. 
And I'm not sure how many shots are available on the offensive end with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I, I like the talent, though. I like the talent. However, this game is going to come down to, you know, Joel Embiid. It's going to come down to Bam Adebayo. It's going to come down to Giannis. And I don't see them having a player that can affect those players I just named. Yeah. Okay? That's what I see. I Do I like it? Do I think it will be productive? Do I think he will be a double-figure scorer and da-da-da? Yes. However, when they play the elite players, because we're talking about a championship-caliber team here, I don't see, as presently constructed, guarding Jokic, guarding Bam, guarding Embiid, guarding Giannis. One of those, if not all of them, will be in the conference finals and the NBA finals. Yes. As, as this roster is currently constructed, I don't see their bigs matching up with those bigs I just named. Would you have rather them just paid Grant Williams an extension instead of trading for Paul Zingas? You know, it's a hard one to, to 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 answer because you know you got to be in the building. I something must have happened with Grant Williams because he know, was you, you out find of a guy, that rotation. Yeah, I, I remember you were screaming yes, every was, time the Celtics played why they're not playing Grant Williams playing even Grant, in the playoffs. Like, you don't have a guy. Listen, listen. I don't know. I, again, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not questioning why he wasn't playing. I'm sure it was. They have their reasons. However, clearly it wasn't because of talent. It must have been something else, right? I don't know. if Maybe the, maybe there was something behind the, the curtain that we can't see. But when in the end he was playing and he was playing like he was playing, you know, the, the year before. Yeah. Now, I don't know what was going on in the Atlanta series where you couldn't find a minute to get Grant Williams in the game. Yeah. But whatever it is, what it is. OK, um, I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing whether he should have been playing or not, but he wasn't playing. So. I think they're going to miss his toughness. Yeah. I think they're going to miss his toughness. I would have liked to miss his versatility. Yes. I, I, I thought he worked with this group because they, you know, Al is aging. I mean, Mm -hmm. Al is getting, you're, you're, you're going to have to manage Al more and more as he puts on these years in the league. Now he's still a really good player, but I would have, I would have liked for them to have kept him, but however, listen, I'm not there. I'm just looking from afar. Do you see more of pausing as being the four and then balancing the five minutes between Al and Rob Williams, given their injuries and their ages? Because you I know, like if the roster. If this is the roster that they go into, do I think they're done? I don't think they're done. Right. I really liked the roster they put together last year, and I like Porzingis. If Porzingis is going to fit in the role of Danilo Gallinari just a year ago, I think. Remember, yeah, re- remember I, that. I, I, yeah, I think but- that he could be even better than that because when you look at the Celtics' offense, right, and this was my biggest problem with them is it just goes to isolation basketball. Whereas now with Porzingis, you've got a guy you can run screen roll, he can dive to the hoop, and he can pop for three point shots. He speaking of his three point shooting, he can shoot the ball from way downtown. You think he shot like thirty eight percent last season, and with the exception of the season before where he was traded and injured, he's been at like 38 percent, thirty five percent shooting the three ball. And we know Missoula loves his three point shooting. Um, also against the zone team like Miami, 
you can just send Porzingis into the middle to catch and shoot in from the middle of that zone to try and collapse it a little bit. I mean, their offensive actions don't really involve Rob Williams when he's there. That's more of kind of a last result, seven seconds on the shot clock. Let's run a screen roll or you're just going to get offensive rebounds. Al Horford did more playmaking, but as you say, he's getting older, he's going to have less involvement. So I feel like offensively, it adds another dimension to the Celtics attack. Like when you watch the team under Ime Doka, like Jalen Brown, for example, he was getting so many plays called for him where he was off the ball and he was simply cutting back door or passing, chasing and getting the ball back and getting to the rim on one, two dribbles with passes from an Al Horford. So with Paul Zingis, you get that element of playmaking as well, because we saw him do that in Washington. He can make good reads, make good plays. So I think offensively, fantastic. You know, he had season highs in basically every statistical category last season. Um, and then when you look at like how he compares against other players, he's been elite and he's figured out how to post up smaller guys, which was a big problem for him earlier on in his career. You know, when you look at the top post scorers in the points per possession, he was actually number one ahead of Nikola Jokic. Not saying he's better than Nikola Jokic, but when he got those mismatches, he was efficient, shooting near 40% from three. Um, he's great at attacking closeouts as well. He was top five in the NBA in points when attacking closeouts of defenders running at him when he's on the line. So I feel like offensively, it's a great move. And some of what Gallinari would have offered if he was healthy can be added given the um, three-point shooting. You're not going to get the self-creation, but well, there are lots of ways they can use him. But defensively, I feel like last season in Washington, he took a real step up from what we saw in Dallas because in Dallas, he was a horrible defender after that injury um, before the trade. He couldn't move whatsoever. But now, points allowed in pick and rolls, he was fourth in the NBA, only behind Stephen Adams, Anthony Davis, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So he's one of the best drop defenders in the NBA in a drop coverage. And that's what the Celtics like to run when they're playing against other teams. So I feel like my biggest concern is if he plays at the four and then teams are going small against them and he can't guard on the perimeter. But seeing as we spent the last few weeks talking about how teams need to add size, the Celtics are adding a legitimate seven-footer who can give you the 20 points a game that Michael Brogdon was giving you of the bench. And my favorite part about it is in my opinion, the Celtics had so much success in Imodoka's season because they played the double big lineups, meaning you've got Rob Williams and Al Horford at the four and a five. So Tatum is going up against threes and Jalen Brown is going up against twos. Whereas when Imodoka comes in and you're starting Derek White, now Jalen Brown is going up against threes and Jason Tatum is going up against fours. And then you're playing one big at a time. So I like having the option to be double bigs on the court most of the time and having a size advantage at the other positions as we saw work so well for Denver. That's where I'm at with this. Well, how do I say this? Um, you know, really good teams, all good teams, they have an identity and their identity is always, their core identity is always on the defensive end. Mm-hmm unless I miss something, the Boston Celtics don't have problems scoring the basketball. That's not they their problem. They do late in games. We've seen them throw away yeah. so many big leads so many times. We've seen them fail to execute down the stretch. Like, they don't okay. have a problem for the first 45 minutes of the game. But okay. 
right. when and, it's and, the final and, five and, minutes or whatever, they just go into isolation. So the, the core idea of every good team is the following. If I don't score and you don't score, the yeah. score is zero, zero. That has to be your calling card if you're going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. If I don't score and you score, you're up 2-0 or 3-0. Mm-hmm. The Boston Celtics defense was nowhere near where it was a year ago The previous in the previous year with Idoka. Now, did they shoot the ball better? Did they score the ball better? You can argue all those things. I don't know the stats. However, defensively is where I saw the biggest drop off with this team. Yes. And if if you and if they continue to think that their offense is going to win the game. Well, okay, that's fine. That, that that's a, that's one way to look at it. However, I will say the following. The best defensive teams always win. The Denver mm-hmm. Nuggets this year, they were very, very solid on the defensive end. No one was saying this before the playoffs, though. Before the playoffs, everyone was wondering about Jamal Murray, Poor, and Jokic. As they should. Why? Because based on what we've seen prior to that, we should have been concerned. However, but let's say this, too. Jamal Murray is a much-improved defender. Mm -hmm. Jokic, a much-improved defender. Michael Porter Jr., a much-improved defender. And we know Aaron Gordon was a, a better than average defender. And we know Caldwell Pope. So, and then they added, you know, Bruce Brown and and, and all these guys. Yeah. So we know that their core makeup is we can defend. If we can be solid on that end and get stops when we need them, because you can't win a game in the playoffs without stopping a team. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the, the the. That's just the core of it. Now, if you're telling me right now that this is the team they're going to go in to the season with, I see some major concerns. But if you're saying this is Porzingis, and then you're going to add other pieces or do something, okay, I'll, okay. I'll, well, I'll, let's I'll say buy that one. let's assume it is how it is, right? So you're going in a team with Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, just a year ago, Derek White, okay. All NBA Defender this year. Robert Williams, when healthy, All-NBA caliber defender. Jason Tatum, very good defender at his position. Jalen Brown, he has some lapses off the ball, but when he's locked in, he can do a great job defensively. Al Horford, I know he's old, but if he manages minutes correctly, he can still hold up very effectively on defense. And now, Porzingis, who I just said was a top five defender in the NBA when it comes to drop coverage. And then you have Chris Porzingis, who is eighth in the NBA in blocked shots. He's had... um, number of seasons where he's blocked over two shots per game. So when it comes to being a rim protector, even though he doesn't have the reputation of being a rim protector, he still does a good job of protecting the basket. Okay. And I'll say this again. If we're just playing in the NBA and we're talking about a team that's just playing, I agree with everything you're saying. However, this team, this particular team, I'm viewing under the championship microscope. Are they good enough to win the final game of the season? Because here are the players that's going to play that they got to beat. They got to beat Giannis, Embiid, Bam, just in their division. And then when you go east, you got to beat West. West, I mean, when they go west, 
Joker, and all these players. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, if you're telling me that group that you just said with the Celtics is better than those guys, you know, okay, Porzingis, he's whatever. Is he better than Giannis and Brooke Lopez? I would would argue, I don't know about that one. Is he better than Jokic? Because what we do against the best players in the playoffs is what we're going to be evaluated on with this group. Now, if you're just saying this is a group that should play in the playoffs and yeah, okay. I agree with you there. They can match up with some of the, the, they will be better on paper than half of the teams in the NBA as is on paper. They should be the best this group. Yeah. Well, uh, but I don't believe they believe that because why don't they believe that? Because it's going to be impossible for Al Horford to play consistent 30-plus minutes for 82 games. Yeah. But unless he gets – maybe there's a miracle. Maybe he does get healthy, Rob Williams. Maybe he does. I hope he does mm-hmm. because when he's healthy, oh, man, he's a, he's he's a, he's an impactful player. And maybe Porzingis is healthy. Now, if you're telling me they're all healthy and da-da-da, hey, man, hey, I'll be the first one to say, hey. But based on what I've seen – I'm not, I don't believe that they're going to play Al 30 minutes for 82 games plus the playoffs. I don't think Rob Williams suddenly is going to be healthy for the majority of the season this year, based on what I've seen. And Porzingis, we know his history and how he plays. Mm -hmm. So I think that they aren't done. I don't think they can be done as is if they're going to win the final game of the season, provided everyone else is healthy. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. But I think there are a lot of gaps in the in in this in this team as it presently is. Is it a good team? Absolutely. I mean, I, I like it. I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Porzingis is not a good pickup. However, Bo Bam Adebayo and these guys are pretty good. So, what other moves would you like to see them make to add? Well, to I this think team? they're going they're they're going to have to figure out how to bring a level of physicality to the game along with elite rim protection. Mm-hmm. Okay, if if Jokic is if Jokic wins again this year, you can't tell me that Porzingis, Al Horford, and Rob Williams—that's not good enough. That's not big enough. That's not physical enough. Well, there's no, there's him. no one who has big enough That's physical enough, I, except I, for Milwaukee. Does he keep Brook Lopez? Okay, Joel Embiid. I I think he's big enough. I think they're you know Stephen Adams. I think. He's big enough. I think they're players. However, I'm just looking at the best teams because they're trying to put together a championship caliber roster. That's the difference here. I'm looking at them for the championship. Do I think they can win 55 or 60 games? Absolutely. Mo, absolutely. Do I think they can go through the Eastern Conference like they did just a year ago? <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, Mo, when we get to the playoffs, and in the first round, they could see Miami. Jared Allen and oh yeah, Cleveland. Forgot about them. Cleveland, yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying, Mo. Like, you know, Evan Mobley's going to be better next year. He's going to be better. Okay, I, I just think, Mo, they have they have a really nice team. Don't get me wrong. However, let's look at it from what how they're looking at it. Saying we're trying to put a team together that's going to win in the final game of the season. I think their roster is not done. 
I would like to see them get a bigger player, one that they can rely on, that could sit there and help them if, for some reason, Al Horford or Rob Williams or Porzingis can't help you do yeah, well, the, the regular the, season. Yeah, well, the part that we've not even discussed is Porzingis is making $36 million. If he signs an extension two years, $77 million, that's significant money that's tied up in Porzingis. And you've got Jason Tatum, and you're giving Jalen Brown a Supermax. So there's not a lot more money to go around to acquire this help. So, And that's just this season, let alone when the new rules kick in in two years from now. That's what I'm saying. And listen, I, I, I now, Mo, if you're saying we can outscore people, okay. That's hey, Mo, if, if, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. However, what I do know, Mo, is that you got to defend. I mean, you're going to have to defend at some point. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how this works out. But I do like the addition of the talent. I will say that. Mm-hmm. But let's see. Let, let's let's see by the end of the summer how this plays out. Yeah, I hear it. Well, let us know on social media your thoughts on this. Tomorrow night, we've got the NBA draft. We're coming up tonight by the time you guys hear this. The NBA draft, Victor Wembanyama will be number one. Then either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson will be two and three. And then you've got the Thompson Twins. Before we go, BJ, are there any names that you think people should be paying attention to outside of those top kind of five guys that I just mentioned? Um, that are the big name headliners because you have a knack for finding these under the radar guys and their careers always turn out much better than everyone thought. So is there anyone you've seen that really catches your eye? Well, again, I, I didn't, I didn't follow it as closely as I normally do. So I, I first, I want to say that, but those, uh, but there's two players, the, the one kid, I, 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 for, I forgot his name, but he's the kid that went to central Florida. I think he went to Central Florida. If you said his name, I, I can't. He's he's in all the draft. He went to he went to Central Taylor Hendricks. Like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's about six. How tall is he? Mo? How tall is he? Let me pull up his. Let me pull up his profile right now. Yeah, yeah. Look, 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 look I got to be look, correct. Look. You know what I mean? I don't. I want to mislead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. People. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, Taylor Hendricks is listed at six foot nine. Yes, but I don't really trust he- all of these. Listed that. That's okay. But but he's big. Yes. He's a big kid. I and just watching him, you know, and just watching him, I I was like, okay. He looks like he has a you know, he's he's got a he's an interesting player to me. Like he's a very, very interesting player. Like you know, like like I I I'm gonna keep my eye on he him. Shoot the and ball. And then those Thompson twins, yes. And those Thompson, yeah, they, uh, you know he and he can shoot that ball. And the Thompson and then twins. Those Thompson twins. Yeah, can you Thompson tell them twins. apart, no. BJ? That's my question for you. When I see them, I can tell. <laughs> but when they're together, it's the hair. When it's I the see them play, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's. I hear but it. I'm gonna tell you. I, I'm gonna tell you. The kid down, the the, the kid from uh, Central is it Central Florida? Is am I is that, U- is, there, is it Central Florida? UCF University UCF, of Central yes, Florida. Yes. Every time I read it, I, I see think UFC, he's, but yeah, yeah, he's a very interesting. So, so he's my sleeper. Okay, like I think he could be one of those guys. When it's all said and done, you'll go, oh wow, like you know, like like Kawhi Leonard, he could be like that. Okay, like you know, Kawhi Leonard went San Diego. You know, he came out of San Diego State. Yeah, you know he he goes like whatever 18th or something, 
Yeah, I've, I've sudden, seen him. Like, I've seen Hendricks top ten in some mock drafts. You know, like yeah, Utah, yeah, yeah. He's or, uh, even falling to he, Dallas, and he's a he, and he seems like he he seems very mature, right? For, you know what I mean? Like, well, he just like he he just caught my eye. He caught mm-hmm. me he caught my all year, and then the, the those 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 twins, those Thompson twins, and what I like about, about those twins, and well, they they could very well, and and and, and you know, listen, you know, when you're when you're evaluating players you never know but i can mm-hmm. tell you something i would not be shocked if if one or both of those guys are in the top three when this draft is oh okay. i take victor out because we don't know what victor's going to be but besides victor i think one of those thompson twins will be the best player in the draft all right I, and i don't know which okay. one will be because okay. they both they both they both play different, but they're but they have the same attitude. Like Mo, they're tough and they're elite athletes and they defend. When I tell you they're all defensive player, all NBA defensive players, okay. Mo, they get after it. Okay. Man. They got great size and they got toughness. Okay. So when you see them play against Marcus Smart, there's <laughs> going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. I'm here for it. <laughs> okay. And it's not going to be a fight because they're, they're they don't like each other. It's going to be because no one's given an inch. Like that's these how, kids that's are how the game really, should be played. And Mo, they'll 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 get they'll they will get they will get their respect probably sooner than most of the young players because they're going to defend at an elite level. Yeah, like Mo, they really get after it. And Mo, they're, they yeah they get after it. Now I would not be shocked if if one or both of them are the best players in the draft after Victor. Victor is just. There's Victor, and then there's everyone else. Now, I think this kid, Scoot, I think he's tough. I think he's going to be good. But those Thompson twins, because of their size, they, they look every bit of six, 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 seven to me. Mm-hmm. That's what you need in the okay. NBA now, wing defenders. And, and Mo, and, and one of them is a point guard. He's yeah. a real point guard. Mo, he's not, a, he's not a mimic. He's not mimicking the position. Like, Mo, he really knows the position. Okay. Okay. And the other one can really shoot and defend and do all that. And Mo, they're elite athletes. Like Mo, they're dunking everything around the rim. Mm-hmm. So, and they're and they're tough as nails. I mean, Mo, they're they're just fascinating players. I think someone is going to get a really, really, really good play because all the focus is going to be on Scoot, Brandon Miller, and those guys are good. And while you're looking at Victor and all of that. Those guys are hungry, Mo. They're mm-hmm. hungry, mm-hmm. and they play Mo. They're, they're imagine Marcus Smart at six seven. I want them on the Celtics now immediately. Anyone? Oh you yeah, you, Marcus Smart. Give me them. Um, I'll yeah, give you yeah, two that, names. That, okay, from an international perspective, because we international over okay. here. Obviously, Wemby. Yes. Duh, he's not included yes. in this. It's Wemby, you know, they've got him taking the subway and going to Rucker Park and doing all the touristy things in New York. Shout out to Wemby. Great PR campaign. Um, I want to talk about his teammate, Belal Kulabali, who some oh, people yeah, have projected tell me about going him. in tell the me about him. I've been hearing about him. Yeah, tell me about him. I like him a lot, BJ. Defensive motor yeah. is there. Defensively, the kid is, what is he, 6'7 with a 7'2 wingspan? He's got a good read on the game, high basketball IQ, can play without the ball, great off-ball player. If I'm the Spurs, I'm trying to get another lottery pick to pick him. A, you're going to have Wemby with his best friend from France there to make him feel even more comfortable. B, they've got the chemistry ready. But C, even if it wasn't for Wemby, I'd still be very high on this prospect. So I like him. 
You know, I think that he has the potential to have a very solid career in the NBA. And the second one, I sent you his tape a while ago. It was it was a while ago. I don't know if you remember it. Is a kid called James Naji. Do you remember me sending you that? No, I do not. So James Naji is Nigerian, but he plays for Barcelona over here um, in Europe. And he's seven foot with a seven seven wingspan. Great hands, elite finisher. You can throw the ball up like you know, like, you know how we say about Rob Williams. You can throw the ball up mm-hmm. anywhere, and he's going to grab it and finish. Elite around the basket. Defensively, you know, you see a lot of these tall guys, especially internationally, that don't have that coordination, but his timing on his blocks has been elite. And you got to remember, he's doing it in the Spanish ACB and the EuroLeague, which is against grown men. So I'm pretty high on James Naji, Bilal Kulabali from an international perspective. Um, so I'd like to see where they end up and see how those things pan out. But obviously for European players, it's a complete change of life. So it's always like, Killian Hayes looked great before he came to the NBA and he obviously hasn't found his way. So it's always hit and miss with the international guys. But I would have my eye on those two from my perspective. I'm I'm big on those two guys. So that's that. Let us know. The Discord server is linked in the description. We're going to be in there. Well, I'm going to be in there during the draft. BJ will be on his AL barbecue probably still. I don't know what he's got on the menu for tomorrow. But uh, we'll be watching the draft. I'll be around. I'll be around. I'll be around. But no, this is great. I, I'll take a look at those guys. But uh, I think this is going to be a good draft. Yes, sir. Really I'm excited. It's going to be and, a good draft. And there and, might be more uh, trades. Draft might. Oh, it's not a might about it. There will, there will <laughs> definitely be more trades. There's no, no, I, I heard earlier this week that Adrian Wojnarowski is not going to be tweeting out any draft picks this year. Good during for the him. Draft. Good, good, good for him. Because I always feel like you're just ruining it. Like, the trade stuff and the free agency stuff, amazing. Leak it. I need it. But draft picks, come on, man. You, you, What are you doing? You're beating the TV by 30 seconds, by one minute. Is it that deep to you? Come on. Let the people enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Get the genuine reaction. You know, I want to well, see I, I, fans. I, I, lo- I love uh, it. And the, the Knicks fans who scream Tingus Pingus when they drafted Paul Zingas. That's what I was thinking about today with all this Paul Zingas talk. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Um... BJ, I'm looking forward to catching up with you tomorrow after the draft and seeing what has unfolded and how the landscape of the NBA now looks. So until tomorrow, my good people, appreciate you guys rocking with us. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, everywhere you get your podcasts. And most importantly, you know the vibes, get buckets.